Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Creative Imbalance Podcast. Like always, I am your friend Sean Siriani, and we have a wonderful episode for you because today joining me on the show is comedian, actor, entrepreneur, promoter, so many things, the man Eric Johnson. And me and Eric have a little bit of history back when I was dabbling doing open mics and stuff. Uh, he actually booked me on my first show. And over the past eight or nine years, um, his career has turned into something um, very inspirational for me. And I'm glad I get to share his story with all of you today. Eric is one of the hardest working people I've ever met in the entertainment industry. He's also fucking hilarious. Um, you guys are just going to love this episode. I'm so excited to share this with you. And um, beyond us talking about his journey in the comedy world... We just overall have a deep conversation about life, about following your dreams, and there's absolutely no filter with this one. And I feel like anybody who's ever going for something challenging, no matter what you're doing or what you're into, you can get a lot of inspiration out of this conversation today. And um, yeah, before we get into this one, quick thank you for all of you who are on the Patreon. Got a couple new ones. Starting off with our first patron ever, Ola Mazuka. Thank you, thank you so much. She is also the host of an amazing show titled The Fold, and you can find that on Instagram if you search for Sonic Fold and The Fold on all listening apps. And it's a great podcast with some of the most conscious conversations of people in the community that I've ever heard, and it always gives me a boost of good vibes and energy. So yes, once again, check out The Fold. And also new patron, Devin McBride. Devin also has a great channel for streaming video games on Twitch. Lots of classics, lots of new ones, fun vibes. And if you're into that, you can check him out at twitch.tv slash classydevo. C-L-A-S-S-Y-D-E-V-O. And yes, if you support me, I'm going to support you back. So that's why you guys are getting all the shoutouts today. And last but not least, our producers, Jeremy Hopkin of Hopkin Design. Not only is he an amazing graphic designer, he is also a historian. And he combines both, refurbishes amazing old photos, and uh, posts like a little paragraph of like some history of the city or of our country. And it's just a really cool page, and you can learn a lot. Um, so go check out Hopkin Design on Facebook and hit them up for any of your graphic designing needs. And also, last but not least, our final co-producer, Fran Coffer, a.k.a. my mom. Yes, <laughs> my mom signed up to the Patreon, and I uh, love you, thank you. I know you're going through some things, and uh, I hope you're resting up and doing well. So also, if you want to shout out or want to further support the show, you can check out patreon.com slash thecreativeimbalance, and every cent that goes on there, every donation, um, goes directly back into the show. And right now, I'm so thankful for, for the small amount of supporters I have right now just to cover some extra costs that are going on. And there's a lot of them, actually. You wouldn't believe. Start your own podcast. You'll find out. <laughs> and you also get these episodes early and whatnot. But, like always, each and every one of these episodes will always come out for free. And if you take the time to just listen to them, I thank you as well. Lots of cool things around the corner, and um, I'm not going to talk about them right now. I'm just going to show you as they unfold. 
And that's all I got to say for an intro. So without further ado, here's comedian, actor, entrepreneur, the man, the one and only Eric Johnson coming at you right now. Looking sharp, man. I I want to say um, we're in total opposite attires today. Uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm gonna be like an extra 15 minutes. I'm gonna shower, and this is actually the first episode I've ever done in my uh, pajama pants. Whoa, like, keep it casual. The comedians here. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of like taking a bit of like a mental health weekend and just chilling. I've been like so fucking like busy almost to the point where I had like so much exhaustion yesterday. It was like causing like this heavy like depression in my head. And I'm like, you just oh shit, fucking slow down, Sean. So yeah, well, you listen to your body, man. That's number one. Yeah, I'm I'm just chilling today, and I'm really excited to to catch up with you, man. It's been so Steve, long. I spilled some coffee. Yeah. And yeah, like I mentioned, it's it's great to see you again. Comedian, actor, entrepreneur, handsome. So many things I can say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, just just how how you been doing over like these past months like for your industry everything has fucking changed. Like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's nuts. Okay, so First week of March, I did a, a week of shows at the Laugh Factory in Chicago. Uh, 450 people a night uh, crushed. It was like the highlight, not only one of the highlights of my career, but one of the highlights of my life to just go and do the show every night and just like, boom, boom, boom. Like, I was like, this is it. Like, and I'm standing shoulder to shoulder, guys, with the shows who are like, like uh, Kevin Hart Network, LOL Network, HBO wow. Comedy Special, uh, you know, Comedy Central Comedy Special, and then Eric Johnston from Canada, and then to do as well, and, you know, sometimes better than some of those guys, I was like, this is it. Like, this is it. I'm about to make it. I worked so hard, 10 years of just, like, grinding on the road and showing up and early in my career making no money and, uh, you know, all that stuff. And then I came home on March 15th, and uh, March 17th, we went into full lockdown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't be around. And I didn't, I didn't touch another microphone until July 20th when I started doing my backyard tour. Yeah. And I, oh, I want to mention that I, I saw that pop up like on social media and I thought that was so cool. And you were actually like the first comedian I saw kind of um, trying to adapt to everything. And yeah. were you like 
playing like or doing gigs at people's like cottages and shit like that yeah so i mean i was i I was definitely the first in southern ontario to do it but some guys out out east and out west and there was a team out of saskatchewan who was doing backyard shows and pop-up park shows and stuff and then some guys in toronto were doing pop-up park shows freedom of comedy protests and stuff like that I wanted to treat it more like a uh, professional show. So I would literally became a clown for three months where I just <laughs> showed up to people's houses to make them laugh in my car. <laughs> like from my car, get there, unload like a speaker. And I, I invested a little bit of money. I got like a proper PA system, proper lighting, spotlights, mic. I had this classic comedy oak stool that I bring with me. I brought two openers, like me you know, like two two of my best comedy friends, Michael Moses and Jason Allen, came with me, and uh, yeah, we we just we ran it like we would like we ran it like it was normal, like we ran it like, well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the comedy show, blah 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 blah. Fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes, and I was doing an hour each show. Wow! So I did uh, I did backyards, I did cottages, I did a, a front lawn in Toronto. I'm, I performed on the back of like a like a flatbed trailer, and the entire neighborhood was out on the front lawn. And like houses <laughs> so were rolling by and stuff. Um, where else did I go? I went to I did a, one at a brewery at Nickelbrook Brewery in Burlington. They did they did their whole patio set up, and I performed on top of like a. Uh, uh, like a uh, like a garden box, like a box that had a bunch of plants in it. They just put, all the plants had died because no one was there to water them. So they just put a piece of plywood on top of the garden box, and that was my stage. And <laughs> that's fantastic. I saw another setup. It was like a bunch of logs and like a like a piece yeah. Of so that was my season finale show. That was nuts. So that was at a, a local Stony Creek performance uh, space and recording studio called Tweedside. These guys bought this farmland with a barn on it and a farmhouse. And they've turned the entire barn into a recording studio and an Airbnb. So like bands can go in there for the weekend, record an EP and stay in the barn and whatever. And then the back field, they've got like two separate performance spaces, one that's just flat ground and one that's a parking lot. So they can do like drive in concerts and drive in movie nights and drive in acoustic nights and stuff. And then they had a separate, a separate area that fit about, you could probably fit 500 people on it, but we had a hundred people socially distanced uh and then they built a stage in the front of the stage they just stacked like 500 logs of wood and it looked so cool and i brought my own backdrop and spotlight and it looked better than some of the professional shows that i do yeah i saw i saw the picture just aesthetically i'm like that is one of the coolest stages i've ever yeah fucking seen. man it was crazy so we did that that was the season finale um because it was fucking freezing it was like seven degrees that night people are freezing their ass off like wrapped in blankets and parkas and gore-tex and all that kind of stuff and we all still killed the opening comics killed and i did very well in my hour and it was like holy shit if i can make these people laugh in a farmer's field on at seven degrees outside i'm doing something right here man yeah you're you're a total pro and like kudos for you to keep going and i i also think like this kind of in or this entertainment is very important these type of times like yeah we just the world needs it you know it's uh well dude not only the world needs it i need it you know i'm like a shark if i stop swimming i get depressed (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i just need to constantly be working it's just how i was bred man it's just the Hamilton in me, like I always think to myself, like if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I'd work at 
Stelco or Devasco. You know, I, I mean the plants. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That city is built on that, but I'm just not built for that. Yeah. So yeah. every time there's some sort of hardship or if I have to drive like 15 hours to do a gig uh, in the middle of the drive, I could be like, this sucks. And I'd be like, you'd be working 15 hours overnight in the plant, buddy, like smarten up. This is your dream come true. Yeah. And then, you know, I took that attitude on years ago and just seeing poverty around me, you know, Hamilton's doing a lot better now, but you know, in the nineties and early two thousands, Hamilton was a rough fucking place, man. And it was based on poverty and, and, and drug use and all that kind of stuff. And I've, I've a fear of that. I have a fear of, of, I mean, my mom supports me. I live in her house. I'm never going to be homeless, but it feels good. Like my, you know, I haven't, other than the fact that I live there and she pays for all the food. Um, I haven't hit my mom up for money in five years. All my, my car payment, my gas, my insurance. That's my rare stuff, as an artist. Not manager, <laughs> all my stuff, everything is paid for with comedy. So that fear of having that taken away from me. And yeah, serve was nice. Serve was a nice little touch. Yeah. Uh, but then as soon as I started making money again, I went off serve. I'm like, serve. I'm like, I don't need this anymore. I'm, I'm doing well again. Like I'm on, I'm in Ottawa right now on tour. Like this is not my condo. This is not my art. Every comedy condo has just random pictures on the wall. Yeah. yeah, I always see that list of, or watching like comedy podcasts too, like when they're in like random places and shit, like Airbnbs and stuff. Yeah, I'm in a condo in Little Italy in Ottawa, so I'm right at home. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think your tour is going to be over by the time this is released, but uh, you're doing like absolute comedy for a bunch of days, right? And yeah, so this will be done, but I mean, I just did uh, five five weeks for absolute. They put me back on the road, which. Holy shit was like uh, it was like a, a gift from heaven when it, when that old, when Jason Lawrence the owner of the club he called me and he goes listen I'm gonna give you a week in Kingston two weeks in in Toronto and two weeks in Ottawa and I was like oh and it had nothing to do with the money yeah it's nice to make money uh, but it had this everything to do with I I am now. I'm living my uh, my truth again. I'm living my passion again. I get to do, you know, 45 minutes a night and just fucking, like, throw everything at it. Like, everything. And, yeah, the clubs are reduced capacity. You can only have 50 people in a club. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, the vibe there. Yeah, but they're so excited to be there, and I'm so excited to be there. The shows feel normal. Like, it feels like a 450-seat room because everyone's so into it. Everyone's so excited. Everyone needs this. And I've always believed that a comedy show is where you go to forget about the world. Mm-hmm. So I don't do anything about COVID or Trump or I don't do anything current. I just nice. talk about my life and my upbringing and my parents and my relationships and my travel stories and stuff. And it's crazy how people come up to me after and like, I needed that. Like, I'm like, God, I needed that. Thank you so much. Like, I think I mentioned masks at one point in my entire 45 minutes and it's just like a throwaway line as I'm connecting two jokes. That's it. Oh, wow. No, that's, that's such a cool like attitude to have. And do you find like, um, maybe the people, are more enthusiastic to be there now, like since after the lockdown, because we had a moment where we just couldn't go anywhere. And now this is kind of like a step into things being like slightly normal again. Like it's like, yeah, everyone's thrown around this word normal. And, you know, as someone with depression, anxiety, as you and I both have, um, 
normal is, is you learn, you know, when am I going to be normal again? When is everything going to be normal again? When am I going to feel normal again? And this whole situation has fucked up a lot of people's idea of normal and a lot of people's expectations of normal. But I'll tell you, it feels pretty fucking normal. Like people are excited. People are stoked. I'm doing some of the best shows of my career. You know, I say that often. Oh, it's one of the best shows of my career because every show I try to be better. So every show tops the last show. Every show I want to be different. Every show I want to bring a new energy to a joke. Even if I'm doing new or the same material, I bring new energy to it, a new act out or a new, I, I, you know, I stress a new line in a certain way or whatever. I have to make it nor are you know exciting and and new for me or you go fucking crazy that's why like you you see those old comics who have been on the road for too long and they're just running their acts like it's like a monologue and there's no audience connection there's no nothing i don't do that i have to make it new i have to there's a comic out of toronto he's uh danny martinello a good friend of mine he said every night find refine your muse refine the reason why you love it and it's a great piece of advice and i do every night something happens when i'm like i am in the right place and i am i am doing exactly what i should be doing yeah and it probably consistently makes it exciting um i kind of have a similar spirit with doing this podcast and you've seen like the way it grew i think you were like in one of my first, first 10 episodes or yeah something. dude so, yeah this that is crazy this is a long know. time coming the part two like I don't remember if I had just broken up with my girl that I was going to be engaged to, or I was still with her when we did that first podcast. I and think, that's how long ago. I was. think it was just uh, after the breakup. Cause I remember yeah, you, I, I was doing a lot of podcasts. had a good, like uh, heart to heart. Yeah, I remember that. Cause I was doing a lot of podcasts because it was my therapy comedians. You know, some comedians go to actual therapy, but a lot of comics just go on podcasts. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm going to talk this out with somebody. I don't or, care who's watching. Yeah. Or just bring it on stage with you too. And yeah, but yeah, but dude, I got to give you a compliment to watch this podcast grow from that little studio. I mean, you're still in, you're in your house now, which obviously COVID, but I mean, the guests that you're getting with Strombo and uh, you know, some of the other, you know, Canadian celebrity guests that you've been able to Kim Mitchell and stuff, dude, I'm so unbelievably proud of you. And I like, I'd like to think that I inspired you a lot, you know, uh, you know, hardworking guy inspires another guy. You know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll give you that. The energy is infectious. It's very important to me to like surround, like, even though I don't see you a lot in real life, like you're always popping up on my social media and it's a, I don't know. I, I had this talk with, um, on my Biff episode where we were just talking about like your brain's kind of like like your stomach you know it's like if you start eating bad food you're gonna get sick or whatever yeah yeah. like it's it's so important for me to just have like guys with like your spirit like uh, just randomly show up on my timeline too it's just like the energy is infectious and um yeah you and so many people um i don't know just kind of keep uh keep my head up you know (laughs) and shit like that i can tell i've I, i you know i can tell when uh when you're when you're going down and 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 i can see it and that's sometimes i just do it very subtly if you're like i want to do this and i just hit you with a like or hit you with like a heart or something or hit you with a comment because i know what i know what that's like man and i've been there and life in life and especially life in the entertainment industry is a fucking roller coaster Mm -hmm. and and you pay for it 
you know, physically, mentally, relationship-wise, friendship-wise, financially. But I, 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 the only thing I can say is it's worth it. It's yeah. so fucking worth it. Yeah, it just, it just feels like I'm supposed to be doing this almost unconsciously. Like, uh, yeah. like it's not like even though things are growing and stuff, um, and I'm working my ass off, like almost like an insane amount it's starting to not feel like work it's like this is my existence this is part of me and i'm sure that's like your comedy as well 100 percent, man I, I i i have nothing else to say other than it's worth it keep going i see you you're seen you're heard much you're loved you're loved <laughs> i appreciate it too it's it's interesting too there's some things uh not like set in stone but like some things around the corner that might be very exciting with the show and um it's one thing i'm finding it very interesting is i don't have a huge audience but the audience i have is very very engaging to the point where all these publicists of like big names are hitting me up wanting their people to do my show. And I got a straight or not a strange one. I got a wicked one in my email this week. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm a fucking fan of this guy. Like, <laughs> like how in at the beginning you saw, like I'm, I'm reaching out to uh, my community of friends from like comedy and music trying to build this thing. And now it's not like, I'm not like running and searching for guests. Like I'm just getting like flooded to the point where I can't even uh, I can't even cater to everybody. So I try to like if you build it, they will come, my friend. If you build it, they will come. It's so. There's a certain amount of if you want to get spiritual about it and talk about manifestation and all that stuff. And you know, I I I have a couple friends who are part time witches. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, let's go there. Let's go there with uh, with crystals and energy and the moon and charging water. Water and stuff in the moonlight and all that kind of stuff. And I have some people who have my back on that way, you know, where people are like, I'm manifesting this for you. I put you on my altar last night. And I'm like, nice. But you know what? Also, is this a lot of hard work, man, and showing up 90% of the job is showing up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and that works for comedy, for music, for podcasts, for art, for teaching, whatever it is, just show up. You know, I've gotten a lot of opportunities in my career. Yeah, I'm very funny, and I take pride in that. And that, in my, in my, in my performance, in my writing ability. Yeah, that's all great. But I'm a fucking hard worker, and yeah, facts. and and I know that. And people, that's the number one. You know, people can say whatever order you put these in. I'm not. I don't care what order they say. They say funny, hard worker, sharp dresser. If you say any of those three things in any order, that's the vibe that I'm trying to give off. Like, I'm the only guy who puts on fucking cologne for a Zoom call. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you were like, I got to take a shower. It's like, they can't smell you, Eric. <laughs> yeah, pride of ownership, man. And, and you're, and you're, uh, I just learned that in entertainment, your, your face and your aura and your body and your clothes and stuff, that's your fucking business card. Mm-hmm. And uh, no shade on you because I know you're wearing your pajamas right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. That, but even that kind of works for you. You know what I mean? The kind of the wandering Sean of let's engage, you know, let's uh, gather information and gather. You know, for me, I've always believed in, in just like when, like when you see the world, the world sees you. Presentation. Yeah, true. And if what you want to give to the world is your absolute best. Like I have 
I have in this hallway on the other side of this wall, there's four pairs of suede boots and five leather jackets of different <laughs> colors and cuts. My man. <laughs> in that closet over there, there's 15 pre-ironed shirts ready to go whenever I'm ready. I believe in like I shower twice a day, cologne, jewelry, whatever. That's what I give. And here's the thing. I've said um, to create a style, to create a style, you have to be unapologetic in your choices. Mm, yeah, you got to feel good wearing it too. Absolutely unapologetic. I, dude, I remember when I first started wearing all this jewelry, um, which is what I wear every day. Like I'll go to the grocery store like this. I can't leave the house without wearing my jewelry. <laughs> I remember when I first started wearing it, you know, guys, comics, and even friends of mine were like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? What are you trying to prove? Who are you? What are you? What is this? <laughs> is, that St is that Stony Creek Italian right there? Yeah, exactly, right? Nice. And I'm a product of my environment in lower Stony Creek Italian neighborhood, but also my dad wore jewelry. You know, I think what really comes down to is you, you get your style from your father. You know, you get, you get your mom, my mom dresses up too, like crazy. My mom's never left the house without her perch or her purse and her shoes matching in my entire life. Um, you know, my mom is, is like class, 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 but my dad's style was like sharp, man, desert boots and jeans and, and floral shirts and jewelry and leather jackets. That was my dad. And Obviously, if you know, follow me on Instagram, my dad's a big fucking influence on my life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like uh, I was going to mention too earlier when you were talking about like performing being in your blood. I was going to mention your father as well. Uh, he was uh, a wrestler in WCW. And, like, yeah, in the Canadian wrestling Hall of Fame. And all that yeah. shit. And yeah, that's, that's totally amazing. And uh, from the wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. Where is he? Bullwhip. Bullwhip. On my water bottle. Yeah. And then I had my own, I had my logo to match his logo. Eric Johnson matches oh, Bullock Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah. And actually, like, it's, uh, it's cool that you're, like, when you, you kind of present, like, a show under, like, your production name, you named it after him, too, Bullwhip, which was his wrestling name as well. Um, yeah, dude, I think... I come from it honestly, you know, with my dad's background. Ultimately, me becoming a comedian was a choice uh, of a dream that was given divinely given to me, but it was my choice as a, as a being to chase it, and I've chased it. And I, have, I made a small documentary about this called Chasing Footsteps, uh, which will be available in the link in your comments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I made a documentary about this, about how, you know, I was, it was born into me. It was my decision to chase it. And my dad put his body on the line every night. You know, he would travel all around just like I'm doing with stand-up comedy. But when he got there, he had to wrestle somebody. He had to jump off the top rope and get kicked and punched and slammed and come home with bruises and broken bones and stuff just to provide for his family. I'm doing the same thing, but I don't have to wrestle anybody. It's just me up there. So I figured if I'm just up there by myself, they're going to get the show as if there was two people up there. I'm going to be working all corners of the stage, like a wrestling ring. I'm going to be loud. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to take them on a trip. Like a, like a, like a wrestling match is, you know, and you've got the good guys and the bad guys and the, and the loud guys and the quiet guys and the dangerous guys and the happy guys. I am all of those on stage. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, and this is kind of not controversial, but I'm a heel at heart. My dad was a heel, bad guy. 
I'm a heel. Now, I'm a loving, caring person, but this is what I do that makes me a heel. So uh, I'm sure if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I make a certain amount of dancing videos, sometimes shirtless <laughs> in my bathroom. Pre-show. It's my pre-show ritual. I've been doing it for years. I just hadn't been filming it. And I started to do them, and I could tell, like, they're getting a certain amount of shares and whatever. Uh, you know, I just did one recently with Mark Anthony Synagoga, and I got, like, 500 shares on Instagram. I, I saw that pop up. Yeah, it went, it went Canadian viral. Um, <laughs> and I know of those 500 shares, probably 450 people are making fun of me. They're probably saying – they're sharing it in a negative way. Look at this fucking loser dancing in his bathroom. Bathroom. I know that and I love it. Just like a heel knows when he's getting heat. A heel knows when, you know, they're sharing my stuff, but it's because they hate me. And I do that too. I, I, I do. If someone's like, I don't like your dancing videos, I'll put up three in a row. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't let, some guy said to me, I don't like when you're standing like this and you'll move my coffee cup so you can get the full image. He's like, sometimes you take pictures and I can tell you're flexing. And I'm like, yeah. I am. And then I'll post like three or four in a row of me doing the same thing. You attack the guy. Clicks are clicks, baby. Yeah. The more heat you got, the more money you make. And for every 450 people who are talking shit about me, of the 500, there's 50 people who now become a fan of mine and message me and go, oh my God, I love your confidence. I needed this today. Oh my God, I love uh, how happy you are. You made me happy today. I love your dance moves. We got to go dance. And sometimes it's chicks. Like, I like your hip action. And I'm like, I'll show you more. You know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> as much as there's negative, you know, people talking shit about me, they're still I'm talking about you. Exactly. They're, they're, and, and it's, I can feel it. I can feel when there's heat on me. And comics hate me. Some comics have, not all comics, some comics have tried to bring me down. Fuck this guy. Who the fuck does he think he is? And he gets all these shows and he gets all these opportunities. Thankfully, I have some, you know, big headlining comics who are like, fuck you. He works 10 times harder than you. He dresses 10 times nicer than you. And he's 10 times funnier than you. What the fuck do you have to say about it? And then I've had, I've heard, you know, I've heard those stories from the green room and I'm like, thanks. I'll be dancing in my bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, I don't give a shit. It's, it's, it's all facts too. And like you kind of fit in with like a, a lot of like some of the bigger names, like you've opened for Sebastian. Am I correct? Yeah. Oh, like was Sebastian, that a- I've opened for Sebastian, I've opened for Russell Peters. I've opened for Jeremy Hotz. Um, I've opened for some major wrestlers, Mick Foley and Jake the Snake and, and yeah, and I get compared to Sebastian a lot. People, you know, and some people say it in a positive way. Some people say it in a negative way. Oh, this guy's ripping off Sebastian. I'm like, buddy, first of all, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood. So that's going to make me a little Sebastian-esque. Also, I've been doing musical theater since I was six years old. How I tell stories is with my body. And that's been my, I've been doing that my entire career. Now, because Sebastian's famous, there was like, oh, it's like when I first started with being high energy, they're like, oh, you're like Dane Cook, because Dane Cook was the high energy animated guy, right? Yeah. Now Sebastian's that guy, and they're like, oh, you're like Sebastian. I'm like, yeah, but I'm, I'm Eric Johnston. You know what I mean? And I love Sebastian. Sebastian, you know, I don't know if he, before I had the opportunity to open for him, I don't even know if he knew who I was. I think it was just a good booking. And, and I was at the show, and he's like, you want to do 10? So I'm talking to Sebastian in the back. He's like, go do 10. I do 10 similar style to him and crush in my own right. And then I brought him to the stage and he did an hour and fucking he's Sebastian. So, you know, he obviously did the best in the world, one of the best in the world. 
And, uh, and I was saying to Sebastian after, like, you know, a lot of people say, I like you in style. He's like, it's good. It's good style to have. Very animated, really good work, really yeah. funny stuff. Yeah, and it's it's also true to you too. Like I hate when when I think a lot of people they wanna find the familiarity in other performers who may not be like on the mainstream level or whatever, because that's just like their reference point and they don't yeah. do it themselves. It's like music, man. If you're like yeah. playing, if you're playing fast, you know, punk or metal, people are like, They'll be oh, like, what do you sound like? And you have, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your sound? Is that Metallica or are you more anthrax? Are you more whatever? And you just have yeah. to be like, I'm Eric, you know, like that's my style. It's my, it's my truth. It's my story. Yeah. And I, I find that's the most special shit too. And, uh, like where, when people tap into themselves and obviously you have, and you're, you're going with it and it's working and like, it's a, it's amazing. Like I'm so like proud to see like your journey over these years as well. Thanks Ben. Yeah. You were with me. Well, the first time we did our interview was like five years ago, mm -hmm. I'd say. And in these last five years, I've done a lot of shit since the last time we talked. Like, yeah. I've been watching. All of camp toured all of Canada, front to back, top to bottom, broke into the U.S. market, did sold-out shows in Chicago and New Jersey and Florida and Atlanta, uh, in Detroit, in uh, upstate Michigan. And, you know, that's all stopped right now. We'll see what happens down there. But, um, you know, the, really the best parts of my career has been since the last time we talked. You know, I was doing okay before and, you know, starting to headline and getting more shows and stuff. But I was kind of a little bit lost the last time we talked. When is this going to happen for me? And it still hasn't happened for me, you know. The biggest thing you learn in comedy is there is no finish line. Yes. Everyone wants to get somewhere, but there's nowhere to get to. The, the, the run, the, the journey is the story. You know, yeah, there's little finish lines like, you know, a Netflix special or a Just for Laughs gala or a, uh, you know, a movie or whatever you do. And I've done some of those things. You know, I, you know, I was on JFL 42, best of the fest, you know, like stuff like that. Those were just little finish lines. You can enjoy that for about 20 minutes, catch your breath, and then you immediately have to start running again. There's yeah. no stop. Yeah, even like it's crazy like i hear like a lot of like uh people who do get the net netflix uh special like you'll think like maybe from an outside looking in that they're just basking in glory but really in their mind they're like oh my god i can't use any of this material anymore i need to write a new hour holy fuck it's almost like the worst blessing in a way it, but i don't know there's two sides of the coin i'm trying to say as well yeah no of course everyone wants to get there until they get there you know <laughs> and that's and that's a that's a conversation for mental health and all those different places where it's like everyone says like it's like you see that meme it's like once i get past this week i'm gonna be all right it's like buddy the weeks keep coming the work keeps coming you know netflix is you know great i mean there's so many specials out now that they're not that special anymore and i think that netflix has realized that that's why there hasn't been a lot of major ones come out recently um also because of covid but you know <sighs> It's, it's not the destination, it's the journey. And I, I find, you know, I, I shot a special, which I ended up getting fucked over on. The audio was so bad that it was unusable. Oh, shit. Uh, it made me look like I was full of shit because there was a lot of promises to may, be made and there was some talks with Netflix Canada once it was done. Crave TV was looking at it. I was like, top of the world, you know what I mean? Like, this is it, this is my big special. And then, of course, the, audio, the, the company I worked for uh, they they were a, a video commercial um, uh, production studio, 
uh, I'm not going to name them because I don't want to give them the plug because they fucked me over so bad. Um, yeah. But they uh, they only focused on my audio. They barely mic'd the audience. Uh, so there's 330 people there, both shows. It sounds like I'm performing into an empty room. Oh, shit. So, and their solution was, I'm like, well, we got to fix this. So they tried to bump up the audio from the audience, but it just gave like feedback and echo and it just sounded like shit. So that was one. The guy's other, other um, uh, solution was to add in a laugh track, to add a laugh track to the points where I'm hitting punchlines. And it, he sent me a rough, like a 15-minute rough cup, uh, cut of the entire hour with the laugh track. It sounded worse than just the last gags, like worse than that. Oh, that's heartbreaking, man. And so I said, I'm not happy with this. And the guy was like, okay. And then he just stopped returning my phone calls. That was it. I went to the office. The door was locked. They fucked me over for a bunch of money. And most importantly, well, not most importantly, which was sad about the situation is because I'm like an idiot. This is what you learn in the entertainment industry. Don't talk about anything until it's done, sealed, signed, and dusted. Don't talk about it because anything can happen. Yeah. So I was, this was three years ago. So I was a little slightly more naive. So I'm telling people, bro, there's interest from Netflix. There's, there's interest from Crave. And they want to look at it. They said it was hilarious. They saw a rough cut, blah, 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 blah. And, and then it made me look like a liar. It made me, when all this went to shit and the, and the special got scrapped, uh, people were like, oh, so he was just full of shit then. It's like, that wasn't my fault. I was ready to produce it. I was ready to promote it. You know, but the blessing in disguise of the entire situation is, yeah, I lost thousands of dollars. I looked like a liar for a couple of months. But that same hour that I did, if I would have, if it would have went on Netflix Canada or Crave or whatever, it would have landed. Like you said, that hour would have been burned, like gone. I could never do it again because people have seen it, right? The blessing is, after it got scrapped, I said, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do what I do best. I'm going to go back on tour. And I toured all of Canada with that out. Yeah. Oh, I was going to mention this tour too. I, this was so fucking cool of you to do. Um, was it called like something like the small town tour? Yeah, the Eric hit... Johnson small town tour. This is such a brilliant idea to hit. So I did small towns, but I also did major markets. I did like Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Winnipeg, uh, you know, uh, you know, some major towns, but then I did some towns like I did a show in climax, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Population. The population of climax is 150 people. I pulled in 130 people to the community. Holy fuck. Like it was like a town hall meeting. Yeah. And I did an hour and a half, but that, tour i did that hour 75 times from north city nova scotia to nanaimo bc i did it 75 times in in three months so when i came back it was fucking so sharp like paul like you could it would be impossible for me to bomb at a show impossible the hour was too good it was too sharp it was too polished it was just road worn and ready and fucking ev- the timing every word was selected and placed perfectly and now for the most part that's the hour i still tour with i've made some changes and changed the order of some stuff and i caught an older joke and added a new joke in but it really taught me that you know yeah i got fucked over on this special however i then took that special rather than having people watch it on netflix i brought it to their communities and said, hey, 
this is it. And I ended up making on that tour, you know, fucking, I hate, I don't like to talk about money, but the money I lost, I'm not producing, and I'm not making that special. I made five times as much as that money on that tour with ticket sales and merch sales and, you know, donations. People were just coming up to me in Saskatchewan being like, you got a long fucking road ahead of you. Here's a hundred bucks. You're fucking hilarious. Wow. And I'm like, okay, thank you. I'm like, I don't want this. The guy's like, I came up to me. He's like, buddy, I work fucking 17 hours a day. I've never been to a fucking comedy concert. You were fucking hilarious. Take this money and don't fucking give it back to me. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> it just took a oh. hundred bucks. Well, I drove to the next town. That's beautiful. I think a lot of people can learn too from your spirit too. Like when one thing hits you that may derail the path you had in your mind, you just made the most of it and then some. Like it's Dude, crazy. If you want to get dark or not dark, if you want to get, you know, if you want to get real about it. Um, my dad died nine days after my 13th birthday of uh, liver and kidney failure. My life as a child was excellent, but there was also some very bad times. And then again, the day I be nine days after I became a teenager, my dad was ripped away from me. After you go something through like, like that in life, everything else in life is not that bad. It's not that bad. I've been through the worst. I've been through pain. I've been through loss. I lost my fucking hero. So if I get fucked over on a special, who gives a shit? Go on tour. You know, there's so many things in life where I'm just like, it's, guys, it's not that bad. It's fine. People get all in their heads and my life is over and blah, 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 blah. And I go, I know what it feels like to feel like your life is over. And this is nothing compared to that. So life is fine, man. You know, and like I alluded to off the top, yeah, there's some depression, anxiety that I deal with daily. You know, I'm getting even a, late, a little anxious talking about it and picturing losing my dad at 13. But I've learned that the beauty in life is that fucking struggle. Pain is perspective. Pain is absolute perspective. And I have, without, you know, bragging, I've got some of the most perspective of any guy my age. You know, I've just turned 30 and I've, I feel like a 50 year old man sometimes because I became a man nine days after my 13th birthday. Yeah. And, and, you know, and people, as we get older, people lose their parents and stuff like that. It happens all the time. You know, I just had a friend, one of my best friends, you know, his wife just recently lost her mom and other friends like that. Those people come to me. And they go, Eric, I need you right now. I need you to talk to me. I need this. And that, it sounds terrible, but that's one of my joys in life. Not that they lost their parent, that the first person they thought of is me. Mm -hmm. And it's not in an ego way, because I don't care that they thought about me or just an actor comedian. They thought about my heart. And that's what I want to give to the world. They, they, they thought about my pain, my perspective, my heart, my journey, and they want me to guide them to a new place. And I am more than willing to do that. And I love to do that. So, yeah. especially, yeah, I, slow, I slowed the podcast down a bit there for a sec. With some no, no, this stuff. is okay. I, I No, this is a real talk. And it, it's sometimes people like they won't 
have a loss in their life till like way later on and they don't really know how that feels like so i can see them immediately coming to you being like having a revelation like oh my god this is what it is and eric's lived with this since he's a child like what do i do i don't know how i feel i'm confused or whatever and billy crystal billy crystal i he has a uh uh a Broadway special called 700 Sundays. And it's about when his dad died when he was a teenager. And he said, when you lose your father at a young age, it's like you're, you spend the rest of your life pushing around a boulder where you can live and you can work, but you take this boulder with you everywhere you go. And he says, not until you, for him, and I believe this will be for me, not until you find true love and have a family of your own and become a father of your own, that boulder just disintegrates. It becomes sand. You know, I still, I still carry a boulder with me, but I know how to carry it. And I've got the best fucking straps and I bring this thing with me everywhere I go, but I know how to carry it. Some people just get a boulder thrown at them and they go, Eric, how do I fucking carry this thing? And I go, I'll show you. I'll show you. You got to strap it from the backside and put it over your shoulder. (laughs) Like, you know, I carry a boulder with me and I'm aware of it. And my boulder is, and it's, it's, you know, it's, Carrying around this boulder has made me very strong, mm-hmm. you know, physically because I'm fucking jacked. But <laughs> <laughs> mentally, mentally, it's made me a very strong man. And uh, it's my, you know, Kanye West is my my mental illness is my superpower. It's like my my boulder is my is my power. I, I've been carrying it for a long time, and I know how to carry it. And you know. I'll show you how to do it if you if you ever need me. Yeah, man, kudos, man. And um it's one thing I find interesting too, and this is something I used to have a problem with myself, which would make anxiety and depression worse, is like when you get a wave of those feelings or if life like hits you with like a crazy curveball, like sometimes internally you're panicking because you wanna be back to like how you feel on a good day. And you're feeling like, like, I shouldn't be like this, like, like internally, like what's going on? Like your body goes into a bit of shock. But, um, one thing that kind of calms me down in like, whether it's like an extreme situation or even like little fuck fucked up things, like throughout the day, like you mentioned, like, like, uh, your team screwing you over on the special and shit like that. It's, um, it's normal as a human being to go through all waves of all emotions. It's part of like this experience and it's, it's, it's inevitable. It's like, you're not going to be able to run from anger or sadness. And, um, just more and more as I get older and older and like kind of practice all these different meditations, it's, uh, it's helping me like with this internal strength of maybe the sat, like the, the feeling of sadness and pain is still there, but being able to just kind of cope and like stand up straight with it and be like, okay, this is, we're going to push forward and everything. Well, for me, so I, the, I, I was, holding my dad's hand the day the 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 moment he he passed and uh and um i cried obviously i fucking i fell to my knees like a baby i still was a fucking baby and i wept for days and then i didn't cry we went through the funeral we we cremated him put him in the wall my life changed forever i didn't cry again until I was 21 years old. 
a single tear did not fall from my eyes until I was 21 years old. I had this very, you can't come in, you can't hurt me, here's a wall, try to get through. If you try to get through, I'm going to become an asshole to you because I'm afraid that you're going to hurt me. I'm going to push you away before you can come to me. I was in film school. I was doing a lot of deep emotional and breath work and all that stuff, and the levee finally broke. And I wept for days. I couldn't leave my apartment. I cried for days. I came out of it, and I, I started to build that wall again up. And, oh, I got hurt. Fuck it. In my early 20s, I didn't like who I was. I don't think anybody liked who they were in, the, in their early 20s. I think, and, not, and nothing does a better job of reminding me about what a fucking douchebag I was in my early 20s as my Facebook memories. Because oh, yeah, my, I hate that shit, man. Dude, my Facebook memories is like a shitty episode of Jersey Shore. <laughs> Um, and for most of my twenties, I'd say till about 28, I was kind of that guy. I didn't like to let people in and I didn't, I didn't want anybody to hurt me. And I didn't, I, I, I was softer than I was as a teenager. Um, but I still, in my mid twenties, my approach was, I'm just going to be a douchebag. If you want to be part of it, you can, if you don't, I don't got time for you. I was kind of had that idea. And I created some enemies and I created some, some relationships, went to shit. I lost a girl that I loved. I lost, uh, you know, a girl I didn't love. That was a rebound that I tried to stick out for two years. And again, I don't think they're necessarily my fault why I lost them, but the way I handled things was my, I'll take credit for it. Yeah. But about two years ago, I just let all that away. It was like a, a, an epiphany. An aha moment, for lack of a better fucking word, where I went, no, emotions are good. Yeah. Come in. Come on in. I'm a fucking open door. If you hurt me, that's on you because I'll never hurt anybody uh, consciously. Sometimes I do or say things that I don't realize that I'm hurting someone's feelings or letting them down in a certain way, and I will be the first person to apologize for that. It's usually... I'm trying to be funny. I say something and goes back too far. I bring up some past trauma in their life that I wasn't aware of. They got upset. I apologize. We're friends again. That's kind of how it works. With That's the risk of being a comedian too. Yeah. Like you never well, no, know like, somebody's trigger is. And yeah. And I think, you know, comedians say, well, the world's getting softer. It's like, no, the world's becoming more aware of trauma. Yeah. And I carry a boulder with me full of trauma, but I know how to handle it and no one can hurt that, you know? But I started letting people in and just, dude, like I am an open book. Like I feel like I'm just standing most of the time like this. I'm taking in people's energies. I'm taking in people's love. I'm taking in people's hate. You know, going back to that, I'm a heel thing. If you hate me, hate me. Let's go. Yeah. I'll take that in. I will absorb that and I will push that and I will change that and I will feel that. I don't get angry. I've never been an angry person in my life. I was angry when my dad died. I was angry at the world. But even at that, I've never been angry because I find that if someone has the power to make you angry, it proves that you're a weak person. You allowed someone else to affect your mood so much so that you've lost your cool and become a very angry person. But there's definitely some times in my life where I've been frustrated mm -hmm. and hurt and heartbroken and, um, you know, just emotional. And I, and I've learned as I become 30 now and this, this 30 state is a weird one where I'm just like, 
I've become more spiritual and I'm fucking using essential oils and crystals and stuff of people that I make fun of. We're used to make fun of for doing that. Now I'm like, where's my crystals? I got to charge them in the moon. <laughs> yeah, it's full moon tonight. Just uh, hand in the air. I mean, I've become more that way. And I've become more understanding of trauma. And I've become more loving and more caring. And, and you know, don't get me wrong. There's still some Jersey Shore moments where I start texting girls at 2 a.m. Hi. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know what I'm doing. It's toxic behavior, yeah. you know. Uh, I'm single. I try to have sex with as many people as I can. That's not the most healthy thing to do, but I'm having a pretty good time. Um, <laughs> but that kind of destructive behavior, I'm aware of it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like my friend Nicole says when Chad is out, she calls my fucking douchebag character Chad. And she's like, is Chad coming out tonight? I'm like, oh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but also Eric, you know, loves his family and loves love and loves comedy. And, you know, that's why when I do these podcasts, everyone's like, oh, they got a comedian on the podcast. It's going to be fucking hilarious. It's like, nah, come to the show and I'll be hilarious. But if you want to talk about life, this yeah. is where we do it. You know, this is, you know, I don't think I've ever done a funny podcast. Like, I say funny things, but I've never been on and done like a full podcast in funny character. I don't do that. Yeah. I'm incapable of doing that, actually. You know? And it's like a lot of like... I, th I think like in my earlier days of like recording these things too, I would have some comedians on and they didn't know really what it was. Like I've always tried to keep this vibe of like a conversation slash interview and they'd hit me up and they're like, okay, I want to talk about all this and almost like pre-planned bits. And yeah. the one time I went along with it, it was like the shittiest fucking podcast. <laughs> it was so unnatural. And just like, like stop mentioning too many names. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just like a vibe I didn't want to project, you know, of like the bigger picture of this thing. And it's yeah, dude, I don't know. I just think that people like it's the common thing when someone's like, oh, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. It's like, come to the show. Yeah, I will do an hour and I promise you, you will be laughing the entire time. Yeah. And it would be better there than you saying it in front of you because it's about like the audience, the energy and stuff. I like think that. the only person who is in the entertainment industry who can do something when they're asked to on the spot is like a close card uh, magician. Like a close a hand on magician where like you're at a party and someone's like, hey, this guy's a magician. Magicians love that. They're like, pick a card. You know, they, they, they can go right into that. Yeah. I think any other entertainment form, whether it's music or comedy or storytelling or poetry or whatever, when you remove it from its home, it becomes awkward. And I, I, I can, I'm great at parties. I can fucking make everybody laugh at parties because a party is kind of like a stage. You're working the room and you're, I got kind of Frank Sinatra vibes. I got a drink in my hand and I'm making everybody laugh and I'm trying to have sex with somebody. I kind of have that energy. <laughs> but, but just like in conversation when someone's like, oh, tell me, like, tell me a joke. You're a comedian. Tell me a joke. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. If you want to see me come to a show, I'll even give you free tickets, but you have to come see me at a show. Yeah. And that's really all it is. Also, comedians don't start doing your bits uh, to ra ra randomly add people like while they're trying to chill. Also, yeah. rappers don't come up to me after a fucking battle rap show as I'm setting up my cameras and just like randomly spinning bars. I don't want to hear it. Just wait <laughs> your turn. I had a bit about that. I said, if someone tells you there's a they're, that they're a freestyle rapper, you have 30 seconds to get out of the conversation or you're going to hear some freestyle rap. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they'll, they'll, they'll just like black out and push you in the corner and you're like, you, you don't even have a moment to cut them off. Yeah. 
<laughs> but but at the, with that being said too like um i'm pro people like pursuing their dreams no matter Express your art man i just do it in the right venue yes yes there's a time and place for everything and everything's just kind of a, about going with the flow and like yeah. i don't know that's that's something that uh has been like a common topic in this conversation today and uh i don't know if you've heard of like uh taoism or like uh taoist teachings but um it's like kind of like an ancient um form of like being in a meditative state of going with with the flow of life and um even like to the point is if you tell somebody you're a taoist you're not really a taoist because you're not going with the flow you're trying to identify as something oh i see and there's there's even um a cool like famous book called uh the Tao of Pooh and it relates that uh that philosophy to Winnie the Pooh because he's just kind of moseying around like very happy and in his own world and like things don't bother him but he always like prevails and shit like that even though everybody around him all the other animals they're fucking stressed they're like high strung they, they've got anxiety disorders yeah stuff. yeah if you've looked at all the uh, like uh, the, the anxiety disorders of the of his friends it's like Eeyore depression fucking uh, Tigger like manic depressive or whatever like uh, yeah he's like add (laughs) add one of them's bipolar and and i think that is an honest teaching of just go with the flow you know what i mean and i i've always believed in that sometimes i push the flow and i force the flow into my where i want it to go Mm -hmm. but then once i kind of catch that i've talked about this on other podcasts before once i kind of catch that wave i ride it as far as i can go and then i paddle back out to catch a new wave and see how far i can go with that you know, um, and I do that with a lot of things in life, relationships, comedy, entertainment, and of all types. It's like, I'm going to ride this, but I also know when to bail. Yeah, yeah. That's something I've been learning too. It's just like, be self-aware. And sometimes you think... I don't know, like this was more like earlier days of me doing this shit and, and even other random things in life where I'd catch a wave and I'd be like, I want this forever. And then you end up just fucking crashing into a boat or getting eaten by like a shark at the end of it. And it's just like, you got to know when to, okay, calm down. That is done. It's, it's all self-awareness and just kind of take a breather and then reset yourself, reset the situations and everything. And I think life like is just a repetitive that over and over and over. Yeah, I think, and that just goes back to the conversation about a destination, you know, really in surfing, the only destination is back to the shore. And then you have to paddle out to catch another wave and you end up back at the shore, unless you get caught in a fucking undertow or whatever and you drown. But I'm saying there's, there's no destination. It's just, it's just the flow of that. And I've said this in other podcasts, but I'll repeat it again. The issue is a lot of people listen to the opinions of people who aren't surfing. And that's the biggest issue that we come into where people who have given up on surfing and have given up on their dreams, get out of the water, stand there with a little bit of a surfboard that they used to carry and used to ride and give opinions about people who are trying to catch waves. Facts. The issue is people listen sometimes. Mm. I I think my next special is going to be called Untouchable, but Untouchable, B-U-L-L at the end. Ah, perfect. Hey, (laughs) branding. Yeah, well, I'm pretty good at branding. Um, (laughs) I feel completely untouchable. You cannot shake me. You cannot rock me. You cannot hurt me. 
I've been hurt. I've been shaken. I've been rocked. I've been all these things. No one's going to have that power over me. And I think people are starting to realize that, um, you know, the kind of classic, the, the way it happens is in comedy is this, and it could happen in music as well. And battle rapping. I know you're involved in that community and all that kind of stuff. When you first start, when you're first an open micer, uh, and you start with other open micers, you're all in it together. You're all best friends. Oh, this is some crazy thing that we're doing. Oh my God, we love each other. We're all best friends. We're all in this together. Let's go together and we're gonna go and be famous together. That lasts for a couple of years. And then the second that you start to do more than anybody else, the second that you start to tour more, you get more opportunities, you get more tapings, you get more money, you get more shows. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Someone's trying to call me. Oh, good. I'm back. Okay. There's actually just a cool picture of you just popped up there. Oh, nice. nice. (laughs) Promo. Um, I have it on Do Not Disturb. I don't know why that happened. But anyways... The second that you start to do more shows and do more, um, you know, just you become better and you become bigger. All those people that you started with turn on you and they go, who the fuck does this guy think he is? We were all in this together and now you're going to go without us and you're going to tour the country and you're going to get that special and you're going to get this opportunity and you're going to leave all of us behind then that lasts for a couple years and then now what the point that i'm getting to now in my career is you become untouchable you become um you become your own kind of entity your own kind of story and your own followers and your own fans and your own background and all these things those same people who turned on you come back to you to remind you of the times that you loved each other when you first started this is true i've seen this in another way but you are speaking truth right now man and they tell you hey remember we did that open mic in uh, Brantford together and you're doing so well now eric you should take me on tour with you and i'm like buddy do you think i don't know that you've just been talking shit about me for three years? Yes. You think I don't know that? You, you, you think I'm so blissfully unaware? Now, when I say things like this, it makes me seem like it's still affecting me when I'm talking about it and going, oh, well, these people talk shit or these people say this or whatever. People think that they're winning by me talking about it. When I talk about it, it's because I'm just saying I'm aware of it. I've learned from it. And now I'm untouchable. Now you will not come in. And you, you can see it. I like they might think they're tricking you, but I see you. I know you, what your character is. Like, and and I've, I've I'm an emotional cat. I'm a fucking cancer. I love with all my heart. Sometimes I hate with all my heart, which is something that I'm growing to change as I as become a man, more of a man. But the people who didn't wrong me, the people who were with me and supported me the entire way, and who loved me no matter what. I take those people on the road with me. My two openers have been two of my best, like Michael Moses and Jason Allen, who are headliners in their own right. They yeah, can Michael's headline. amazing. I've seen him a bunch of times. Exactly, right? So the, the idea of our show is, yeah, I'm the headliner, but say I stubbed my toe and I couldn't go on. Jason Allen could easily headline. Michael Moses could easily headline. We were all in this together. 
and I love them and they love me and I treat them very well. Like I pretty much make our pay even, even though I'm the one look, booking the shows, I'm the one promoting the shows and I'm one the one, I'm the one doing the most time. I still try to make it pretty even. Yeah, they make slightly less than me, but I'm the fucking headliner. But I'm saying if someone were to look and go, what do you pay these guys? They would go, what, really? You pay them that much? Because we're all in this together and I have the benefit, I live at home. These guys have their own places, you know what I mean? So when I'm getting paid a certain amount, I go, okay, take that and divvy it up three ways. I'll take a little bit more because I drove, and I'll take a little bit more because I had to get the posters printed, and I'll take a little bit more because I had to get some Facebook ads, but then give the rest to them and pay, split it up with them and pay them. You know, We're in this together, and I love them, and I'll take them to the end of the world with me. They're both so good that it's going to become insulting eventually for me to ask them to open for me. <laughs> you know, they're going to be like, yeah, I have my own tour. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And then I'm going to have to find somebody else, but... But, but hey, with this relationship you guys have, this healthy bond of both like business and dreams and everything, like this trifecta you three have, when they get a step up where they're headlining, they're going to have you along like opening and you know yeah, it's, it's and, that's and there's it's always going to keep like shifting like and there's no ego attached again and everything like yeah there's no ego attached to it we're all headliners you know what it's i mean beautiful. i'm just the one that books more of the shows just because i'm crazier than the two of them you know what i mean <laughs> <Just> <laughs> like, i gotta work baby mm-hmm uh, but it's embedded in you. And uh, again, Eric, I want to say it's so nice to uh, to talk to you today. Let's let's not take so long to do another one of these. You know, it's like I love your journey and um, especially like kind of projecting this energy. It's the type of stuff I like to share with people as well with these episodes. And I think a lot of people can just get a like so much out of your story and perspective and yeah i just want to say i I admire you and i'm proud of you as well man because i see you working and it's 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 amazing like it's just crazy like uh uh like how much you've grown over these years brother yeah it's funny when you're with when you're along the journey i always say it's often you don't you don't realize how far you've come until you look back and see all the places that you've been behind you. When you're a comic or any kind of entertainer, you're so, you're like a horse with blinders on, just trying to get to these places. But when you stop and take the blinders along and look at it, like I can't name of a Canadian city that I haven't performed in, other than like, you know, Iqaluit or, you know, I haven't been to any of the territories, but I'm saying there's any major city in Canada I've worked. I've done shows, I've sold out shows. I've seen, I've experienced. I've, uh, you know, I've done all those things. And I go, oh, my God, I just want to tour. And I'm like, buddy, you've already toured. Like, keep going, but, like, appreciate it. And it's, I often have to remind myself that there are people like you and people who have been along this journey because, you know, we've been friends for I'd say close to eight years more. I think a decade. Um, cause I remember I did an open mic while I was at the end of my college years, which was, was Oh nine or 10. Like, like, yeah, it must've been 10. I came back from Vancouver. I think it was 2010 actually. Yeah. I came back from van in 20 end of 2010 or 2011, early 2011. Either way. Yeah. yeah it's been a decade. So you saw me from when I started to when I started, doing opening spots to when I started doing middle spots to when I started doing hosting spots to start doing my headlining shows, start doing my headlining tours to breaking into the U S market to splat a lot, the TV show. Oh yeah. Even the YTV, everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
all that commercials, Testicular Cancer Canada, which won a Canadian Commercial Comedy Award. Um, I was nominated for Coca Comedian of the Year this year. To see all that, I go, yeah, I did all those things. But I have to remind myself that people like you watched me and remember it and saw it and saw the journey. And I go, yeah, I guess. Because here's the thing. I'm the only person that's seen every single one of Eric Johnston's shows. I'm the only person. And, and I compare what was this like to that like and what was this audience to that like and what are they... But I need to remind myself that people are seeing all of this and they're with me on the journey. There's for every, you know, uh, bad, well, every bad person, every person who hates the heel, everyone who wants to make Eric Johnson a bad guy. There's someone like you with a pure heart who loves me. And that's worth more to me than money. That's worth more to me than uh, Netflix specials. There's more to me than, you know, anything to have people who genuinely love me and want me to do well. And it's not even an ego thing that I'm not saying, Oh, they want Eric Johnson to be famous. No, they want Eric Johnson to be happy. Yeah. And that's say, that's facts. And I could say to anyone who's following me, I've never been happier. Yeah. I'm start, that, that, that boulder that I carry around with me is starting to get chipped away every day. And it gets a little lighter. It gets a little easier to carry. It's almost like it might be still there, but it's turning into an energy crystal now, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I'm charging it in the moon. <laughs> yeah. Perfect callback, dude. I'm so proud of you. This podcast is great. I'm happy to be one of the Canadian celebrities on it now because you're getting a ton of them. And I'm not even saying that sarcastically. You're getting a lot of great Canadian talent. And for me to be one of it, one of them means the world to me. So thank you so much. Oh, and thank you for being on this. And like, especially like it's, it's exciting. Cause like, I don't know where it's going, but it's growing. And as it continues to grow, um, the one thing that brings me the most joy is getting people like you who I've seen your journey and had an incredible journey and like different musicians and stuff like that. And being able to share this story with new people, um, I think that's important to me. Like a lot of people talk to me about the show and they'll like, uh, they think I just want the big guests, but that is so far from the truth. I just yeah, want, sometimes you gotta have me on. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but, but I, sometimes I want you on and it's in, it's important for the big guests to help my platform grow in a way. So I can tell, everybody's stories who's out there hustling and fucking busting their ass and just being excellent at what they do this is what it's all about and again like eric it's i'm so proud and <laughs> happy to talk to you today man like it's so cool and uh we're doing it baby yeah like like i said um let's not take so long to do this again and uh yeah i'm, I'm gonna let you go now i know you have your show tonight and i don't want you to i got two tonight i gotta eat something Oh fuck yeah, man! But and I gotta re-shower and re-iron a shirt and redo my hair because that's showtime, baby. I gotta, oh, yeah, I, my got daytime sw- shower can't be connected to my nighttime shower. <laughs> yeah. Two different showers. Yeah, we got sweaty in this episode. The people, like, <laughs> the people who are just listening to the audio versions on like Spotify and iTunes, they don't even know we're like doing jumping jacks. I will describe. I'm wearing it both a floral and leopard print button-up iron shirt with uh, with four rings, a bracelet, and a gold watch put that as put that in your visual mind or follow me on instagram at eric johnson who you'll probably see something like that yeah yeah before we go too, like yeah just plug all your stuff you're on the instagram well yeah just follow me online i mean like uh, there's some comics saying that a comedian's schedule is written in pencil these days you never know what's going to happen 
you never know where, where you're going to go, especially with COVID. But I will say, if you want to see this crazy journey that I'm on, um, uh, follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, it's all at Eric Johnston, who E-R-I-C-J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N-W-H-O, ericjohnstonwho.com. And if you want to send me a professional email, it's ericjohnstonwho at Gmail. Uh, and I'd love to hear from you and see all you. And I'll follow anyone who follows me, I'll follow you back. Okay, I'm a Canadian entertainer. I want to be part of your life as much as I want you to be part of my life. Mm-hmm.